Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Last year, if you recall, I shared the first couple of installments of what I hope is sort of going to be this evolving semi-periodic look at the techniques that I employ personally with my botanical method aquariums. I get a lot of questions about, Scott, how do you do this? Um, What are your recommendations for that? So I thought, you know, rather than just uh, continue to address them piecemeal, maybe if I could put some stuff out there, people can get, you know, what they need out of this and uh, discuss it among themselves, share it with the community, and hopefully that'll help um, kind of give everybody an idea of things that work for me. But I'm just one person, but, you know, I mean, we share all all that stuff anyway in our social media and our blogs. And But until now, this little series that that is, I've really never done it in a really concise manner. So many of you keep asking for this stuff in the tent. And since I've been creating some new tanks over the last few months, I figured that's eh, a time to get back at it. So today, let's get back to a pretty fundamental look at what I do and and really how I start my botanical method aquariums, the processes and practices in particular. Remember, this is not the ultimate guide about how to do all this stuff. I think the whole tin podcast and blog going back to 2015 is the ultimate guide to how to do all this stuff. But this is more or less a review of what I do with my tanks. It's not a strict how-to, of course, and it's not the only way to do it or the best way to do it. It's how I do it. So it's a review of what I do with my tanks. Um, it's a look at what goes through my mind, my philosophy, and the principles which guide my, my work with my aquariums. And I hope that you find it helpful. Now, first off, one of the main things that I do, what I believe, I guess most aquarists do, is to have a theme, an idea in mind when I start my tanks, a north star, if you will. This is an essential thing. Having a track to run on guides the entire project. It influences your material and your equipment selections, your establishment timetables, and of course, your fish population. Let's look at my one of my most recent uh, botanical method aquariums as an example of kind of how I approach this. First off, I had a pretty good idea of the theme of the aquarium to, get, to begin with. It was a wet season flooded Amazonian forest. Shocker. Now, I freely admit that I put a lot of thought into getting the characteristics of the environment and ecology down as functionally realistic as possible, but that the fish selection was far more cosmopolitan in this case, consisting of kerosens, my fave fishes, some of which are found in such habitats and some of which are not. It wasn't intended to be some competition-minded, highly accurate biotope display, but normally I'll work from the fish and or an environment and go what fishes are found there. And this is kind of a I like the environment. I know some of these fishes are found there. Let's go for it. So this is just a fun way to feature some of my favorite fishes, kerosens. So since I was a kid, I'd always dreamed of a medium to large size tank filled with a large number of different tetras. This tank was essentially going to be my grown up, more evolved version of my childhood tetra fantasy tank, if you will. The most basic of all how I do it lessons is to have some idea about what you're trying to accomplish before you start. 
In our game, since recreating the environment and the ecology are paramount, this will impact every other decision that you make. In this aquarium, the main structure, physical structure of the ecosystem is comprised of a literal hodgepodge of scrap pieces of wood of different types and sizes that I had lying around. Very little thought was given to specific types or even shapes. The idea was to create a representation of an inverted root section or a tangle of broken branches from various trees on the forest floor, which be, you know becomes an underwater feature during the wet season when the stuff is washed into the streams and aggregates randomly. It was simply a matter of assembling a bunch of smaller pieces to create the look of the inverted root tangles and so forth that I had in my head. And once they're down and they're covered in that patina of bio cover, it's really hard to distinguish one from another. It looks sort of like almost organically like one piece, really, even though, you know, sure, it would have been easier to carefully select just one piece to do it. I mean, would it though? I don't know. But for me, it was more practical to use what I had and make it work. Like every aquarist, I have a big old barrel in this case of just all kinds of wood that have accumulated over the years, some of which never has been used in aquariums before. I thought, you know, let's use what we got. So another how I do it lesson is that you don't always have to incorporate a single specific piece of wood or wood type to have a incredible looking, interesting physical aquascape. No chasing after the latest and greatest trendy wood for me. I use what I have or what I like. You should too. Since we're more about function than we are about aesthetics exclusively, which type of wood isn't as important as simply having any wood to complete the job or by extension other aquascaping materials. Maybe you don't want to use wood in your tank. I get it. After I get my wood pieces the way I like them, it's the usual stuff. Make sure that they stay down before you fill the tank all the way, etc. Nothing exotic here. Nothing that we're not used to doing. The next step is to fill the tank up. Again, there's no real magic here except to note that since guys like me like to use these sedimented substrates and have lots of bits of botanical pieces and things in there. I do it very slowly. I mean, your water is likely to be turbid for some time anyway. It's what goes with the territory. However, there's no need to exacerbate it by dumping the water in all at once and just pushing all this stuff into the tank. After the tank's about a third full, I usually add all of my prepared leaves and botanicals. Now, why? Well, because I found over the years, similar to planted tank people, that it's a much, it's much easier to get the leaves and botanicals where you want them by working in a partially filled tank. Another hardly revolutionary approach, but one which I think makes perfect sense for what we do. After the tank is fully filled, well, that's where the real fun begins, of course. In our world, the fun includes a whole lot of watching and waiting. Waiting for the water to clear up, if you're using sedimented substrates or whatever. Waiting for nature to start her work, to act upon the terrestrial materials that we've added to our tank. And of course, this is the time when you're busy making sure that you did all the right things to get the tank ready for, you know, first water. And of course, it's also the part where every hobbyist, experienced or otherwise, has those lingering doubts, asks questions, goes through the mental gymnastics to try to cope. You know, do I have enough flow? Was my source water quality good? Is it my light? Is it right? And then when the first fungal filaments and biofilm start to appear... Some that are new to our little specialty still doubt. When does this shit go away? It does go away. I know it's just a phase, right? Yeah, it goes away. But when? If uh, It will go away, right? You know, there's that kind of doubt that goes through. And then there's the realization that this is a botanical method aquarium. And that you expect and want the stuff in your tank. And it likely will never fully go away. But you know this. And yet, yes, still count a bit of time and you, you, you question 
I mean, it's common with every new tank, really. The doubts, the worries, the waiting, the not being able to visualize a fully stocked tank thing, patience testing stuff, stuff which even I, Mr. Tinted Water Biofilms and Decomposing Leaves and Botanicals guy, uh, think about, but now I'm pretty much hardened to by, by now after all these years. You will be too. It's about graciously accepting a totally different look, not worrying about phases or the ephemeral nature of some things that occur in my aquarium. Yet, like anyone who sets up an aquarium, I admit that I still occasionally get those little doubts in the dim, or what we say, tinted recesses of my mind now and then, the product of decades of doing fish stuff, yet wondering if this is the one time when things won't work out as expected. I mean, it's one of those rites of passage that we all go through when we set up aquariums, right? The early doubts, the questioning of ourselves, the reviewing of fundamental procedures and practice. Maybe they need to reach out to the community to gain reassurance. That's what the community is all about, right? It's normal. It's often inevitable. Do I worry about stuff? Well, yeah, of course. However, it's not to the point. It's not at the point in my tank's existence that you'd think it would that I would worry. It's a bit later, and it's not about the stuff that you might think I'd worry about. It's all about the least natural part of my aquariums, the equipment. Yep. Usually for me, this worry manifests itself right around the first water exchange. By that time, you've likely learned a lot from the quirks and eccentricities of your new aquarium as it runs. You'll have to see how it functions in daily operation, and then you start getting more confidence. But then you do your first deliberate intervention into its function. You shut down the pump for a water exchange. That's when I clutch. I worry. I always get a lump in my throat the first time I shut off the main system pump for maintenance. Will it start right back up? Did I miscalculate the, the drain down capacity of the sump that I'm using? Will this pump lose siphon? And so what the fuck if it does? You simply fix the problem. That's what fish geeks do. You chill. Namaste, you know, that kind of stuff. Yet I worry. That's literally my biggest personal worry with every new tank, crazy though it might sound to you. The reality is that in decades of aquarium keeping, I've never had a pump not start right back up or overflow to sump after shutting down the pump, but I still watch and I worry. And I don't feel good until that fateful moment after the first water exchange when I fire up the pump again to that reassuring whir of the motor and that lovely gurgle of water once again circulating around my tank. Okay, perhaps I'm a bit weird, but I'm being totally honest here and I'm not entirely convinced that I'm the only one who has some of these hangups when dealing with a new tank. I've seen a lot of crazy hobbyists who go into near depression when something goes wrong with their tanks. So this sort of behavior is really not out there, not really that unusual, right? However, our typical worries are less worries than they are little realizations about how stuff works in these tanks. In botanical method aquariums, you need to think more holistically. You need to realize that these Extremely early days are the beginning of an evolution, the start of a mic living microcosm, which will embrace a variety of natural processes. But yeah, we know what to expect. We observe. So what exactly happens in the earliest days of a botanical method aquarium? Well, for one thing, the water will start to tint up almost always. Now, obviously, the degree to which is based on what kind of materials you use and how much. And I admit that this is perhaps... Definitely, actually, one of the most variable and unpredictable aesthetic aspects of these types of aquariums. Yet one which draws in a lot of new hobbyists to our tribe. They love the tinted water. I get it. That's why we call this spot the tint, this podcast the tint. It's that allure of the tinted water. Now, many factors ranging from what kind and how much chemical filtration media you use, what types and how much, again, of botanical materials that you're using and others impact this. 
Recently, I've heard a lot of pretty good observation-based information from experienced plant enthusiasts lamenting that some plants take up tannins as they grow. That's a kind of a known fact, and it's pretty interesting, isn't it? A little side meander here, but I thought that was kind of cool. Look, stuff changes in your tanks. The botanicals themselves begin to physically break down. The speed and degree to which this happens depends almost entirely on processes and factors largely beyond your control, such as the ability of your microbial population to process the materials within your aquarium. Now, I personally feel that the botanical method aquariums always look better after a few weeks or even months of operation. When they're new and the leaves and botanicals are crisp, intact, and fresh-looking, it may have a nice artistic appearance, but not necessarily natural in the sense that it doesn't look established and alive. The real magic takes place weeks later. Things change a bit. The pristine seed pods and leaves start softening a bit and biofilms and fungal growths make their first appearances. Mental shifts are required on your part. Yep, the first mental shift that we have to make as lovers of truly natural style aquariums is an understanding that the tanks will not maintain the crisp, pristine look without significant intervention on your part. And by intervention, I mean scrubbing, rinsing, and replacing leaves and botanicals as needed. I mean, sure, you can do that. I know a bunch of people who do. They absolutely love super pristine looking tanks. Well, to each his own, I suppose. Yet the whole point of a true botanical method aquarium is to accept the less than pristine look and the changes that occur within the system because of natural processes and functions. Now, I admit I do feel a bit sorry for people who can't make that mental shift to accept the fact that nature does her own thing and that she'll lay down a patina on her botanicals, gradually transforming them into something a bit different than when we first started. When we don't accept this process, we sadly get to miss out on nature guiding our tank towards its ultimate beauty, perhaps even better than we envisioned. For some, it's really hard to accept this process, to let go of everything they've known before in the hobby, to wait while nature goes through her growing pains, decomposing, transforming, and yeah, evolving our aquascapes from carefully planned art installations to living, breathing, functioning microcosms. But what about all that decay, that patina of biofilm? Well, if you're struggling with accepting this, just remind yourself regularly that it's okay. It's normal. The whole environment of a more established botanical method aquarium looks substantially different after a few weeks. While the water gradually darkens, those biofilms appear. It, it, it just looks more earthy, more mysterious and alive. It's a reminder of wabi-sabi again. Something that's been on my mind a lot lately. It's... In its most simplistic and literal form, the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi is an acceptance and contemplation of the imperfection, the constant flux, and the impermanence of all things. It's a very interesting philosophy, one which was brought to our attention in the aquarium world by none other than the late great Takashi Amano, who proffered that a, in his case, planted aquarium is in constant flux, constant transition, and that one needs to contemplate, embrace, and enjoy the changes and to relate them to the sweet sadness of the transience of life. It's heavy stuff. But many of Amano's greatest works embraced this philosophy and evolved over time as various plants would alternately thrive, spread, and decline, reworking and reconfiguring the aquascape with minimal human intervention. And each phase of the aquascape's existence brought new beauty and joy to those who would observe them. 
Yet in today's contest-scape-driven Instagram breakdown the tank after the show world, the philosophy of appreciating change by nature over time seems to have been tossed aside as we move on to the next one. You know, let's get some new glue, uh, some glue and glue some wood together and do this, do that. This appreciation has been lost. Sure, this may fit our human lifestyle and our interests, but it denies nature her chance to shine, in my opinion. There's something amazing about this process of change, the, about the way our tanks evolve and why we should enjoy them at every phase. And there's the human d- desire to edit stuff. People ask me all the time if I take stuff out of the system, if I make edits and changes to the tank as it breaks in or as the botanicals start to decompose. Well, I don't for reasons we've discussed a lot around here. Remember, one thing that's unique about the botanical method approach is that we accept the idea of a microbiome of organisms working our botanical materials. We're used to decomposing materials accumulating in our systems. We understand that they act to a certain extent as fuel for the micro and macro fauna which reside in the aquarium. I've long been, you know, of the belief that if you decide to let the botan- that you should decide to let the botanicals break down and decompose completely and that you shouldn't change course by suddenly removing the material all at once. Now, why? Well, I think my theory is steeped in the mindset that you've created that little ecosystem. And if you start removing a significant source of somebody's food or for that matter, their home, there's bound to be in that loss of biota. And this could lead to a disruption of the very biological processes that we aim to foster. Okay, it's a theory, but I think it's a really good one. You need to look at the botanical method aquariums, like any aquarium, of course, as a little microcosm with processes and life forms dependent upon each other for food, for shelter, and other aspects of their existence. And I really believe that the environment of this type of aquarium, because it relies on botanical materials, you know, leaves and seed pods and stuff, is more significantly influenced by the amounts and composition of said material, just like in natural aquatic ecosystems. The botanical materials are a real base for the little microcosms that we create. And of course, by virtue of the fact that they contain other compounds like tannins, humic substances, lignin, etc., they also serve to influence the water chemistry of the aquarium, the extent to which is dictated by a number of things, including the starting point of the source water used to fill the tank. We've talked about this stuff over the years, and we'll continue to talk about it forever, probably. So really, in summary, I think the presence of botanicals in our aquariums is a multifaceted, highly influential an extremely important component for the stability, ecological balance, and efficiency of the tank. As a new system establishes itself, the biological processes adapt to the quantity and the types of materials present. The nitrogen cycle and the other nutrient processing capabilities evolve over time as well. Yeah, establishing a botanical method aquarium is as much about making mental shifts and acquiring patience and humility as it is about applying any particular aquarium keeping skills. It's about growing as a hobbyist, having faith in yourself, your judgment, and most important, in the role that nature herself plays in our tanks. In seemingly no time at all, you're looking at a more broken-in system that doesn't seem so clean and has that wonderful, earthy, pleasant smell, and you realize right then that your system is healthy, biologically stable, and most important, functioning as nature wants it to. If you don't intervene or interfere, your system will continue to evolve on a beautiful natural path. It's that moment and the many similar moments that will come later, which makes you remember exactly why you got into aquarium hobby in the first place. That awesome sense of wonder, of awe, excitement, frustration, exasperation, realization, and ultimately triumph, which are all part of the journey, the personal, deeply emotional journey towards a successful aquarium that only a real aquarist understands. This is how I do it. 
Stay excited. Stay bold. Stay observant. Stay brave. Stay curious. Stay patient. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.